Well, boys, what are you going to sing? The squeezer was not any use. A lemon without any juice. Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Annie. And you're listening to Boo to a Goose, a podcast about uh, idioms, expressions, and slang. <laughs> From across the pot. What I couldn't remember it. I was, uh, the, every week. Yeah, every single week. And part, like, should we redo it? No. Okay. They're, That's the it, show it's now. It's nice for them to know we're human. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we make mistakes. Yeah. I was uh, I got really lost in my own head here. Um, but that's partially because this particular expression is a big, wide, unwielding one. Yeah, I mean, you've said it to me a number of times and it still hasn't even stuck in my head what it is because it's a brand new word for me. <laughs> put the kibosh on. Put the kibosh. To put the kibosh on something. Do you know what it reminds me of? Okay, yeah. Tell me because there's... Smash the Casper. Smash the Casper. Okay, first of all, it's Rock the Casper. Ah, damn it. Second of all, <laughs> no. Third of all, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. The thing with this term is that it's got... So, you don't okay. smash the Casper, you rock the Casper. Now, I did the research for this one. Do you remember why we decided that I would do the research for this one? Because I'd never heard of it. Because I thought it sounded Yiddish? Because I didn't think it was British? Yes. we. I also thought it sounded Yiddish. And you asked me, is that Yiddish? And I said, I don't know, maybe. And I did some digging and actually, well, one, maybe. Two, <laughs> the first use of it was British. It was first used in a, in a London... Oh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. What does it mean? What do you think it means? Um. So when you used it the other day, you said... What did you, how did you, I can't remember what you were talking about. You said, put it to the, um, well, don't look at my notes. Put it, um, (laughs) (laughs) I pulled pulled my notes up on the computer and she's like, legitimately, I cheating off another kid's paper. I'm not very good at learning new words and I completely (laughs) forgot what the word was called. Kai Bosch. Kai Bosch. It it doesn't sound very natural. Okay. Um, when you used it the other day, it was like to eradicate something. To get rid of something? Yeah, so the, the definition... Uh, but I think I thought it meant to turn something down when you used it. Uh, no. Okay. The, the, the Merriam-Webster definition is something that serves as a check or a stop, usually used in the phrase... So, the, the, for the phrase kibosh. Um, something that serves as a check or a stop, usually used in the phrase put the kibosh on. So, put the kibosh on means to, like... Put a stop to it. Put a stop to it, yes. Like put eliminate a, it. Right, yeah. Like... Not like, like, yeah, shut it down. Cease all production. Mm. Um, don't eradicate. Don't, like, destroy. But, like, so you could, it like, won't happen anymore. You could put the kibosh on the Casbah. Yeah, like, if you if you prevented people from going into the Casbah, if you shut down all their operations, then, yes, you would be putting the kibosh on the Casbah. <laughs> Just wanted to use them in the same Yeah, sense. that's what Joe Strummer wanted. <laughs> that's exactly what Joe Strummer wanted. Um so the, the uses first up first showed up, as far as we know, in London during the 1830s. Oh, so, quite early. Yes. Uh, the earliest example in Green's Dictionary of Slang, according to Green's Dictionary of Slang, is from a November 30th, 1834 issue of The News. Ah, said Smith as he left the office, this here hacked Voss the work of the Vigs, and now the Duke of Wellington has put the kibosh on him. Which they never would have got if they hadn't passed it. That's what floored them. So it's, it's. Why did you only do an accent for part of that? Because the 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 dialect. Um, this here hacked was the work of the Vigs, 
and that so the, it's it's written out this here hacked h a c t vos instead of was v o s so it's it's usually a, a dialect tone to refer to a specific type of language mm. Um, the word appeared a short time later. This is when it really became canonized because this was Charles Dickens. Hmm. Charles Dickens used it in uh, Sketches by Boz, 1836. The quotation cited in the Oxford English Dictionary, Hoorah, ejaculates a pot boy in a parentheses, put the kibosh on her, Mary. What? I don't have the context. <laughs> that's just the, but that, that's an evidence to it being used by, you know, one of the most celebrated English writers of all time. Okay, can I interject here then? Certainly. So... Do you think that this is an English phrase that I haven't heard of because of my age? No. Is it like something that's gone out of fashion? Uh, potentially. It, it's, it's definitely something that all my research, and I haven't found very much um, to indicate that like major usages of it in American English, mm. but all my research says that it's made a much bigger impression in the United States than it did in the UK. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. There's no like okay a, that that's good that makes me feel less bad about not knowing what you were talking about yeah again there there were usages that were less famous but like sort of just the way that it's drifted drifted over it's become a much bigger thing here possibly because of the way that it sounds because I like um like it it sounds it has like a, a bit more of like a like a particular ethnic sound to it that's something that I've found people can everyone can tell that this is not a word of like typical latin or uh germanic origin than other words in english language yeah it doesn't sound like english french spanish yes exactly so uh where the hell is it from um also kibosh has been used as a noun as as a verb not just a noun because put the kibosh on it means put a stop to it sure um but its usual form is in the noun so like you could kibosh something but nobody really uses it you could kibosh something as in stop it and meaning the same thing yeah, essentially. Yeah. But nobody does that. Oh, okay. Put the ki- yeah, put, you would put the kibosh on it. Um, the OED's entry for kibosh says origin obscure, but adds it has been stated to be Yiddish or Anglo-Hebraic. And this is why, right, yeah. this is what we came to the theory. And it does sound like, you know, what what terms do we use around the house in Yiddish? Schmutz. Schmutz. Kvetch. Um... Uh, that's it. <laughs> no, you totally use more. Your yeah. dad uses more. Oh, um, uh, oh my God. It's the one that I always think is palava, um, but isn't palava. It's like, I always think it's Michigas. I say Michigas. You say Michigas? But I've been using it wrong this entire time. Yeah. Yeah. There's other ones. I just can't think of them. Yeah. So, uh, Green's Dictionary, which is the, our first source, mentions, but with a question mark, a possible origin of Hebrew or Yiddish, kabas or kabasten, which means to suppress. Mm. So that scans. Yeah. But that's the only evidence, that's the only location of that, and there's been so many, but like kabas, kabas, like... So is it suggesting that it came from like Hebrew origin before being used in England, or it was used in England and then was used by the Jewish community? Uh, no. It, the, what, what Green's Dictionary is implying is that this is where the word kabosh comes from. Oh. So essentially put the suppression on it. Yeah. Which makes sense, but that's not corroborated anywhere beso- aside from this one source. Yeah, um, but it does make sense though. So this and is it's one th- what we initially thought, which is weird. Yeah, because it's got it's got the K sound, it's got the OSH sound. Like I think that these are things that we associate with Yiddish. Mm. Um, but there's no reason for us to really like. I mean, there's plenty of uh, ticks in language that incorporate those mm-hmm. particular vocal themes. This is one theory, but there's no conclusive evidence to support this idea other than the sound of the word itself. The dialect in the initial instance. Uh, 
is is could could be a different source. Of, some people think it's Cockney. Oh yeah, like oh maybe. And it could be derived from like a, a sort of a Cockney rhyming slang. Also, it's been suggested that the Irish Gaelic phrase mm. um, "shebash," okay, spelled C I E space B A with an accent I S. Okay. Say Bosch, right? Um, can I see? I'll show it to you, yeah. I don't know if I'll be... Say Bosch. Oh, maybe. I, I've never seen that. Um, I've never seen that before, yeah. so I wouldn't know how to pronounce Gaelic is super hard to pronounce because it's not... It, it doesn't translate phonetically to, like, English at all. Like how M and H together makes a V sound. Right, yeah. That's, yeah. It's such... It's a very weird... Uh, yeah, but... That, it's just different. It's not weird. But a lot of the time... It's just... Like, the hey. C-I is a sh, right? Often will be a ch sound, like C-H. Um, or m- more of an S-H. It depends. Um, I- I'm not sure, to be honest, because I, I, I don't know the language. The, the most I know about Gaelic is from people's names. Oh, okay. As opposed to actually knowing the language. Or, like, common right. phrases like slasher. Right. Or searcher. Sure. Slasha meaning uh, cheers mm-hmm. or to health, I think. Um, and Sersha being the name? It's It means freedom. Oh, right. It is Sersha Ronan's name, but it means freedom. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was terrific in Little Women. <laughs> Check it out if you've not seen it. Actually, Lady Bird. I liked her more in Lady Bird. Uh, she was. She's been in a great few films. So um, then, good. So, Shybosh, the Irish Gaelic phrase, okay, yes. means Going back. cap of death. Well, that's why I've never heard it. None of my relatives have ever said that to me. No one gets that on a postcard or a doormat. <laughs> right. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny if you got someone a hat that said Shybosh on it. <laughs> and they were walking around Ireland and Irish people were like, what? Why did you put that on your hat? <laughs> yeah, like most of the Gaelic phrases I know are like, I'd recognize the, I, I'm not going to say it because I'll pronounce it wrong, but a thousand welcomes or thank you or cheers. I don't know cap of death. Right. It's not in my general vocabulary. I wasn't asking if you'd heard the phrase before. I was asking <laughs> if I was pronouncing it right based off the spelling. I don't know. Uh, then another hypothesis points to the Gaelic. Th- this is going to be. I'm definitely not going to get this right. C a i d h p b h a i s. Hydif kaidif by. Oh man, no idea. Right, right there. But it's pronounced similarly to shybosh. It just got a lot more letters in it. Oh, okay. Because Gaelic is crazy and challenging. <laughs> uh, meaning quaff of death, explained as headgear. Quaff of, of death, quaff like of death. like as in a hair quaff. Yeah, a hair quaff. Like. Like Elvis Presley. Yeah. Because... Why would you have a hair quaff of death? Because it's the headgear a judge put on when pronouncing a death sentence. Oh. Or as a covering pulled over the face of a corpse when the coffin is closed. So like sort of like not, maybe not literally hair, but like the thing that would cover, like a quaff sort of covers... And that's the same as cap of death as well? Yeah, exactly. Oh, Okay. Um, so evidence, but evidence for any metaphorical use of this phrase in Irish was lacking, and kibosh was not recorded as spoken in Ireland until decades after Dickens' use. So there's, mm. that, that's an unlikely, that's an unlikely theory. It's, you have to think about it as well. It must be really hard, um, to like, as, as an etymologist to kind of find, you know, if you're, if you're going purely based off where things were written down, mm-hmm. you've got to look at where things were I don't know. At what point were societies producing literature? Yeah. Well, we're looking and at... I mean, again, we're looking at, like, the early 19th century here. So we'd had print... I mean, we're looking at Dickens. Yes, but were people in Ireland printing things in English? Were they printing things in Gaelic? 
what like because Gaelic was suppressed by mm-hmm. the English rule in Ireland. So were they even allowed to print things in Gaelic? I don't know. I'm not sure. Right. But that would completely interfere with like you're like saying, oh, they didn't use it because it wasn't in print, and it's like, well, what percentage of the population had access to print, and in what language? Right, exactly. So that's that's what makes all this research to be very tricky. To the point where I found an article that this the the origin of put the kibosh on has plagued entomologists <laughs> for decades. Um, they have dug around in Hebrew, Arabic, Turkish, Gaelic, Irish, and French to try to find anything, and they've found things that seem like they could be right. But then every time they find something, there's always a little bit amount of evidence that goes, "Oh, well, that can't be right." Maybe having to do with the timing, or the way it was used, or the way it was pronounced, or anything. There's always these little, like little tiny obnoxious little details that keep mm. that from being from other entomologists going, "Oh, that must be it." Like no one has felt really sure about it. Yeah. So I found one article that. Um, this is, these are three possible phrases. This is the most recent article I could find. And so the guy who put this together um, says it's almost definitely one of these three. Right. So we're going to go through them one by one. Okay. And see which one we think is the most accurate. Okay. So we're forgetting the Yiddish or Hebrew. Right. We're forgetting the Gaelic. Right. And this, But how did they explain, before we move on to the next three from mm-hmm. this uh, source that you have... How on earth did they explain the relationship between a cap of death on a judge or covering a dead person and then relate that to this idea of stopping something? Oh, well, you're kind of killing it. Like you're, you're sort of killing oh. the, yeah, and like an ending. Like you're just put, put the kibosh oh, on. Yeah. yeah, I mean that. Oh, I guess. Right? Like, like do you kibosh a chicken if you kill it and eat I, it? Like if somebody said, like, I mean, because it's, a slang, the, it's the, a slang term. It's used very informally. So oh. like... Put the kibosh on the chicken? Put the kibosh on the chicken and then we'll have Aww. it for dinner. Okay. Yeah. Poor chicken. Yeah. Well, you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I yeah. did. So, uh, again, it's 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 never anything that would be used in, like, a legal document. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it is sort of like, yeah, we got, like, I am I feel fairly confident in those mafia movies where the guy goes, you want us to put the kibosh on him? Or we put the kibosh on him or something? Referring to literally killing someone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably Irish gangsters because this could be an Irish term. That's a bit of a jump, but Like sure. the movie The Irishman. <laughs> we never watched that. We didn't because we don't have seven hours to spend. <laughs> uh, so the first of the three entomologists, J. Peter Mayher, traces kibosh to the French caboche, which means head, informal, noodle, nut, or rather the English firm caboche from French. So to caboche something is to cut off a stag's head behind the ears with no part of the neck in view as a trophy. Ew. Both the noun and the verb are common terms in heraldry. In French, caboche, an irreverent word for a human head, has also become a surname, caboche, C-A-B-O-C-H-E. It was the Cockneys of London who turned the aristocratic verb caboche into a slang expression. Likewise, a Cockney expression for the 1D or 6P coin, or one, uh, oh, 1D and 6P. What's a D in British money? Like, before the pound. And... Oh, I don't know. Let me think. Well, there were shillings, there were pence... There was a sixpence. Yeah, th- this is there was... something and sixpence. It's a coin that is like a dollar and sixpence or well, something. Yeah, it wouldn't be a dollar. Yeah, but it says D. Uh, so that had a head on it, and so they called it a kibosh, like that coin. We're, we're doing our second coin thing in a row, because didn't we bullseye? Is okay, coin so thing? okay, let me get this straight. So they think it originated for a word for head. Right. And it went on to mean something... Rather more specific in that, like, a deer's head for a trophy, right? 
Yeah, the verb kabosh is to cut off a stag's head without its neck. So that's pretty brutal. And again, another like death-based definition, which is something that we were sort of I suppose it was probably more common, you know, when people hunted things, they probably ate the body and then they saved the head and put it on their wall. Yeah, it it is explicitly. It's only something I see on TV or cartoons. Have you ever actually seen anyone do that in real life? Kill something, cut off its head and put it on the wall? Not the whole. I don't expect you to have seen the entirety of it, but maybe you've seen, (laughs) you know, the head on the wall. Well, I've been to like bars and stuff that have like that have that, but I mean, who knows how real it is? It's yeah, I've seen fake. like taxidermy, but I've never yeah. actually been to someone's house and been like, "Oh, wow, look at that! It's it's a deer head on your wall." Yeah, I've never seen that either. Yeah. I, we don't run in those circles. <laughs> what circles are they? Like, okay, so one time uh, on one of my tr- two trips driving through america both trips took us through texas and we drove through west texas have you ever been to west texas no it's all the cool stuff in texas is in the eastern half west texas is a big empty space there's it like um really rural it's, it's particularly rural yes um but i knew that i was in west texas when i we drove past a taxidermy store that was kitty corner to another taxidermy store what does a kitty corner mean? Kitty corner is like a four-way intersection when they're not across the street from each other, but they're like on opposite sides of the four. Like, like you know, if you drew an X through the four-way intersection from corner to corner, they're like... Oh, sure. Yeah. So I could have just said across the street. Because it's not like I'm giving you directions, but I did see I, it. I'm not going to go there. Right. It's not going to be on my to-do list, my destination. As soon as COVID finishes, I must check out these taxidermy stores in West Texas. West Texas, yeah. It, it was uh, remarkable... To see a taxidermy store, considering how few taxidermy stores... I've only been inside one taxidermy store. This one in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Which is like more of like a place of oddities and curiosities for like liberal artsy... Yeah, they had like... I mean, they had a really nice plant section. They They had fun books. They had like Wiccan stuff in there. They sold... Yeah. Oh, they sold lots of stones and whatnot. Bugs. Paxton Gate. That's what it's called. If you're in San Francisco. Skulls. Yeah. Oh. Or open during pandemic, I believe. Uh, yeah, they had they had beaver skulls and like amethyst and different crystals to bless and fossils and you can buy like bugs mounted with pins. Yeah, like curiosities. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not like. Whereas this place <laughs> is like you take it there because hey, I just killed this. Let's preserve it so I can put it in my. It's not so much a. It's not so much a curiosity as just a way of life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think that the idea of being in a taxidermy store and being able to look out the front window and see a different unrelated taxidermy <laughs> store is very amusing. <laughs> I've been in communities that have uh, comic book stores like that, like in Victoria, British Columbia, mm. but never uh, not not taxidermy. So One of the best taxidermy places I ever went to was in Camden Market and it was a stool where they took I think it was mice or rats I think, and they, I think it was mice and they put them in different positions in different clothes. Oh, sure. Like doing like funny or obscure things. And it was just like this whole like room full of just these mice. Like That's its own art form. Specifically with like mice and rats and stuff. Like oh. um, they, they have a little uh, space reserved for that. They're some of the most expensive. Well, not that expensive because like you can buy like a, a whole moose head and whatnot at Paxton Gate. But um, yeah, they like, did you see the movie, the 2000 movie Dinner for Schmucks? No. With Paul Rudd and Steve Carell? I did not. So Steve Carell plays this weirdo, um, and his weird thing is that he does that. Oh, he actually does that? He doesn't just his buy character. them. Yeah, his character does it, like, as a oh, hobby. Because, like, buying them would be, like, one level, but doing it is, like, another level? Yeah. Hmm. 
He's a big stranger. But he's the schmuck that Paul Rudd. It's a very amusing movie. Oh. Okay. And it's a remake or something. But yeah, that's that's a real thing too. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, going back to um, Kai Bosch. So we're still we're wandering around this idea about it being a head, basically. Yeah. Like the head of a deer or just a head. Like, I mean, or the can, head on a coin. We can call it cutting off a stag's head behind the ears with no part of the neck in view, which is exactly as it's defined. Or we could just call it a decapitation. Oh. Which is the, the the most brutal and effective way to kill something. Okay, but part of your head. Including and zombies. Then, and then <laughs> it goes through um, talking about, you know, um, the Cockney expression linking sure. to money. Yeah. Um, and that having the head on it yeah. as well. So, okay. But so, how does head lead to death? Because, because kibosh means cutting off a head. The verb kibosh, kibosh. But you said that it was later used by the Cockneys to refer to money after the deer. So, yeah, so at th- what point is... did it change to mean stopping they're, something? They're not saying that the put a kibosh on it is derived from the coin. They're saying that these are like two stretches from the... That it has the same root. Oh, so saying, the like, root is head and yeah. then it went into a killing deer path and a money path. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then let's move on to Stefan Gorenson. His uh, edamon for kibosh is kerbosh. A long whip made of hippopotamus or rhinoceros hide what? used as an instrument of punishment in parts of the Muslim world. That so, is so unbelievably specific in so many ways. Yeah. Like, it's very culturally specific. Mm-hmm. It's very animal specific. Hippopotamus or rhinoceros. It's pretty specific. Yeah. Um, and it's a whip. Yeah. An instrument of pain. So putting the kibosh on something, you know, if you whip something, then... That'll put a stop to it. I'll put the kibosh on it with my kerbosh. You know the kerbosh. saying when you keep saying put a kibosh on it? It does sound very threatening. Yeah. Like if someone's like, I'll put a kibosh on you, I'd be like, oh. It's never something good to happen to you. Yeah. Like you don't say like it, something that doesn't come to like a, sa- a kibosh is never a satisfying conclusion. A kibosh is like you're interrupted. Mm. You're being held. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I think, yeah, th- this this could make sense. Okay. Uh, then the final definition of this set of three, David L. Gold informs us that his article, though it takes up 56 pages of a, of a journal issue, he wrote 56 pages on what he believes to be the origin of Put the Kibosh on. Okay, then it must be correct. It is a reduced variant of a more <laughs> comprehensive study. It'll probably become a book. His starting point is the clogmaker's term kibosh spelled the same way. An iron bar about a foot long that, when hot, is used to soften and smooth leather. Another long and menacing object. Mm. Similar, and So it's another... It's not violent because it's not hurting a person or an animal. But it is being used to aggressively uh, smooth and, and uh, soften leather. Mm-hmm. Putting the kibosh on a clog might mean finish the work. Or did the idiom at its inception have the sense to make the thing fit... So, like, put the kibosh on it, finish it out, do it correctly, get it done. The more you're saying this to me, it sounds like you're going to hurt somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the other evidence that we have, this is the, this is the least violent, and it still invo- involves a foot-long iron rod that's heated up. Yeah, it's, it's pretty violent. Yeah. Like, it, it seems to be denoting more of a term of aggression than I would have got from its initial use when you used it, obviously, right. because you weren't being aggressive. <laughs> no, it's just like uh, like earlier, I mean, this is a time when I would 
consider to be completely appropriate to use this term. I forget what, when I used it that made us want to do this episode in the first place. But uh, earlier, our recording today was slightly delayed because Annie was printing something in, our, in the space that we... And it was a long printing job, and it's completely okay, <laughs> but it was in the space where we usually record instead of the sound of the printer I was ordered to interfere. So part of me thought, maybe I'll just go put the kibosh on this and interrupt it. But then... Rude. Putting the kibosh on it by just turning off the printer or pausing it or whatever. Putting the kibosh on it, it could potentially be hard to start it back up again. That's a big reason why I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't know, are we going to have to start all over? The job's already half done. Just like when you kill someone, it's really hard to undo that. So challenging. So challenging. It's one of the harder things to do. Yeah, and when you cut off a deer's head, yeah, really hard to put it back. Especially if you don't include the neck. Really hard. It's weird that the kibosh specifically means you're not cutting off the neck part. You're just cutting off the head part. Well, I, I wonder if it's if that's actually in the word or that's just in the practice. Like, it's common practice not to include the neck, so mm-hmm. no one ever chops a head off with the neck. I mean, I'm thinking about, like... You know what, what I mean? Like, yeah. whether that's actually what the word means or whether that's just how this art form, for use of a better word, is practiced. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I'm thinking about, like, times I've seen deer heads mounted on walls in, like, cartoons and stuff. And I feel yeah. like, usually the neck is there because it's, like, sticking out off the wall. Oh, well, yeah, only if it, like, turns around and talks to you. <laughs> that does happen in cartoons. <laughs> yeah. So, but there's, this is the one last piece of information that I'm going to include. Oh, okay. Uh, in the past, clog makers used the verb bosh, as in to use this thing. Um, sometimes alternating with burnish, whose sense was rubbed wax and old leather on a hot bar. Long ago, Charles P. Scott, Charles P. G. Scott, the entomologist for the Century Dictionary, considered the possibility of kai from kibosh being identical to ka as in caboodle or ker as in kerfuffle. Where it's just added and it doesn't mean anything. Added in just for like the fun sound. Put the bosh on it, put the kibosh on it, put the kibosh. Oh, yeah. A little bit of like, a little bit of caboodle. Like we talked about earlier. Yeah, the whole means and caboodle. Nothing. Yeah. means nothing. It's just the boodle part. It's just the boodle part. So in the same way, it's just the bosh part. That's, hmm. a, that's another theory. All of I these theories... I have heard the word bosh before. I can't remember in what context I've heard it. It wasn't when I was making leather. Yeah. Just to make that clear. <laughs> it wasn't back in the day when I was clog making. Right. Um, but I feel like I recognize that more than kibosh. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So those are those are the various definitions. You can uh, do your own research. This is just what we found and what we managed to compress into an episode that we don't want to be too long. So that's why we decided to stop here. This is not where the research ends. Mm. Um, there's a lot more theories, a lot more ideas, and uh, yeah, most of them are uh, pretty interesting and different and diverse. And a lot of them, a lot of my research led me back to these three definitions because this is the most contemporary article with fresh information that I could locate. Cool. Um, so yeah. Well done doing the research again. Thank you. I like this trend. Yeah. <laughs> we are getting a trend, though, where I'm like, I haven't heard this term. Maybe it's American. And then you look it up and you're like, no, it's British. Just you didn't know that. And right. I'm like, oh, okay. Because, you know, I mean, well, it makes sense because, like, we did get the entirety of our language from you. I mean, how yeah. many of these terms have we looked up that actually turned out to be American? Bullseye turned out to be British. It's like when they ask you to tick the box and it's like, um, American English and British English. I'm like, no, it's just English English. Right. There's so few differences that I don't re- like I mean I understand that they had to sort of revise Harry Potter a little bit so it would have as big an impact in the states as they wanted it to have don't, don't talk to me about that but I they really that, didn't need to it's ridiculous I think that you know American kids or adults or whoever's reading the book are intelligent enough mm-hmm. to learn a new word that a different culture says yeah you guys are smart enough to do that yeah I have faith in you <laughs> like like um 
I'd say that everyone knows that the American Office, which we are currently watching, we are yeah, and, and enjoying, is a remake of the British Office. But I think that they wanted to take the same ideas, the same like character dynamics. You have Gareth slash Dwight and his relationship with uh, David slash Michael, and then you have the Tim and Jim to uh, Dawn and Pam mm-hmm. relationship, and they want to take those dynamics but do them in a more American style because the British show is very British. Yeah, it's Th- so British. There's a lot more drinking. Oh, drinking like every episode. Yeah, and there's a lot more, and the humor is a lot darker and harsher. It's much yeah. more Ricky Gervaisy, but I think that that has to do way more with like the British sensibilities, whereas the American one is kind of sweeter. Uh, yeah, and- I mean, even if you look at Peep Show, it's it's a lot of it's that kind of oh boy embarrassment humor in social context. Yeah, which is why like a lot of these shows, um, like as as far as comedy, like I don't really see the point in remaking a drama, a British drama for American audiences, because I think that our drama sensibilities are a lot closer. Yeah, I, yeah, like, I suppose that's true. And like I, Broadchurch I, is a big hit. Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you guys haven't really remade those. No. I think there was an attempt in like the 90s to do an American Doctor Who, but at the time there wasn't a British Doctor Who really going. That that was like during the, the hiatus when there wasn't Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like we don't need to remake Broadchurch. We don't need to remake... I mean, we remake shows that are in different languages like Killing Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean... I, what do you mean Killing Eve? Isn't that a Swedish show? Well, it's British. Oh, so I don't. Know. Oh, I think that I think that was a it was a British remake of a Swedish show. Oh, possibly. That's yes. what I meant. Okay, then then uh, never mind. I I got I got confused. Um, but that's yeah. a good show. But it really like oh, uh, Bridgerton is the biggest thing on Netflix right now. I like Bridgerton, and it's straight up British. I think the showrunner is American. Yeah, I think the show. It, it, mm, yeah, it, it's British in that it's set in Britain. It has British actors. Um, but you'd say the storytelling style and the, and the character dynamics yeah. reads a lot more American to you? Yeah. Okay, but then what about sex education? Which, oh, that was so confusing. Sex education, which I don't know if we've talked about on the show, is a very, very funny Netflix show. You should check it out. We're, this whole episode is basically just an advertising for Netflix. Um, <laughs> broad church. Uh, <laughs> but um, the whole show, when we were initially watching it, you were like, this isn't at all what school is like in the UK. No, it's not. And it really upset me. And then when I did some digging, I discovered that it was an intentional, like, nod to um american like high school movies of the 80s yeah and i i get that and i think that that's kind of cool mm-hmm. i just think that like i don't know i feel like anyone watching it who doesn't know would be like oh yeah they're just like us and i'm like but there's some key cultural differences that it would be nice if you didn't eliminate here's the thing everyone i know who's american and if you're american feel free to back me up on this when when we watch a British movie or TV show and the the students in school and students are going to school and they're wearing uniforms, automatically we think private school because that's the case in America. The only schools in America that have uniforms are private schools. But it's that's the you, opposite way around in England. Right. Yeah. So when I was watching Sex Education, I was like, "This must be what public school is like." Well, it is a public school. It's not a private school. Right. Yeah. But they're in sixth form, and by sixth form. Uh, 16 to 18, you can normally wear your own clothes. But then there's all those other things, like the fact that they have a military school, the fact that they have a swim team that people yeah, come to. Yeah, a Letterman jacket, yeah. cheerleaders, all that stuff. It's all super American. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this episode is now five minutes longer. Just as we I don't know shows. what we've done. <laughs> well, you know, it's nice to have a little pop culture anymore. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed. We didn't. We need to put the kibosh on this episode. Yeah, um, we do need to put the kibosh on this. Uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Goose. You can send us an email, boodooagoosepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, rate 
like, subscribe, follow the podcast wherever you get it. Um, I tried to figure out how to re- read reviews. I think the only place you can actually write reviews and a place where I can read them is on Apple. So if you really want to leave us a review uh, and you use Apple Podcasts, great. If you don't use Apple Podcasts, then uh, just tell your friends. <laughs> Still leave us a review. I'm sure it like goes towards our ranking. Yeah, or something. Ratings, just giving us a, a star rating wherever you get your show is great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, please. And let us know as well if you use the term kibosh. I'd be interested. Because yeah. part of me thinks that it's the term that's died out. Um, just my husband uses it. And <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I also assumed it was Yiddish probably because in my household, there's a lot of Jewish phrases, getting, Jewish English phrases getting thrown around. Yeah, but then, you know, there's phrases like bifurcate in your household too that no one else uses. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, just because you brought it up, I have to bring this up. This is something that my dad said all the time, bifurcating, meaning to divide anything in half. Mm-hmm. I'll bifurcate this cake. We could bifurcate that piece of pizza. We can bifurcate the work on this. I had no idea that that's a legal term that is really only used to, like, for... I don't really know in what context it's used, but I used it a lot growing up. And people went, what does that mean? And you can figure it out from context. Bye. And, yeah. then, and then I would do what I was talking about. And, you know, but... It did make me sound like an intellectual little turd. <laughs> well, you do have a very good vocabulary. Right. A superb vocabulary. Thank you. So Something that I've worked on a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, it paid off. Yeah. You know. <laughs> now and, we do this show. And now I'm learning new words with you, like yeah. kibosh and bifurcate. Right. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Boo a Goose. Uh, I'm Jacob. And I'm Annie. Uh, this has been another thrilling episode. And remember... <laughs> Nobody says potato. To a Goose is produced by Will Scovel as a part of the Comedio Network. Thanks to Hannah Wardle for the art and Max Abrams for the theme song, She Couldn't Say Boo to a Goose. Send any questions or comments to boo to a goose podcast at gmail.com. Hey everybody, my name's Dane. And I'm Jimmy. And our podcast is called Bubbling Questions. We do would-you-rathers from listeners and a Twitter bot. Along with one-person game shows using ridiculous stuff we find on the internet. Like what kind of ridic are we talking? <laughs> I shall not tell you. Okay, all from our very real hot tub. Oh yeah, 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 very real, uh, not a gimmick at all. <laughs> find Bubbling Questions wherever you get podcasts. And I'm Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs>